Hello and welcome to the Shot Podcast. Joe Dyer is away, so Charles Firth is filling in as the host. That's me, I'm Charles. And uh, with us, as always, uh, Grace Tame. Hello. Who is... Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Holding a cat, for some reason. And David Milner. G'day. How you doing, Charles? Good. Now, Grace, you're looking very, very happy. I understand there's been some developments in the AFL which make you happy. Yes, well, I'm a sainter and we're sitting atop the ladder at the moment. I don't know how long it's going to last, but I'm just going to enjoy it for the moment. I know how long it's going to last. Not long. So, I don't know anything. I know nothing about AFL. The one thing I know about AFL is that St Kilda never wins, like, uh, and that dates back decades, doesn't it? I also, I also know this because I am a saint, <laughs> uh, and I, I have to know this. Um, I'm forced to know this. I'm constantly reminded by every other football fan, um, especially my fiance Max, who is a Bees fan, um, and you know. He also knows what it feels like. So, so what so, happened? What went wrong? Or what went right? Like very, very few things. <laughs> I mean, one of the things that's gone right, Charles, is that we're not that deep into the season yet. Oh, I see. So you like three Hate games. To be cynical. I'm also in a good AFL mood. That- I go for Collingwood <laughs> for all my sins, and we just beat the Bombers in the big Anzac Day Bruja yesterday. So Excuse- he's good at the moment. Did you just say hey, that? Grace. Did you just say that you go for Collingwood? Yeah, and you've already agreed to being on this podcast. You can't back out now. <laughs> oh, <laughs> the tension in the room. <laughs> wow, gosh. Hey, the, not as happy. Grace is not as happy. It's okay. She's, she's processing this one. But Let's we, change the subject. <laughs> is Eddie Maguire still your leader? No, we don't call them leaders. We call them CEOs. And um, no, he's not. He. What happened with Eddie Maguire was pretty pretty fantastic he Collingwood did an internal investigation into racism and he announced the press conference sat in front of it and declared that this was just a wonderful day for Collingwood this was a proud day for Collingwood the fact that we've got this report back that says we're just fucked institutionally (laughs) (laughs) he's just tried to do PR spin and that was just that was the beginning of the end of it that was the realization that he was not the man for this moment and since then, you know, this is a fact. This is an interesting AFL thing. Thirty years ago, mm. Nicky Winmar famously was racially vilified at Victoria Park by Collingwood fans. Collingwood, as a football club, apologised for that last week. Yes, last week. Thirty yes. years later. Yes, only thirty years. So there you go. If if you're experiencing racism as a footballer today. All you got to do is wait 30 years and you get an apology, <laughs> a half-hearted apology <laughs> <laughs> from a club that claims that everything's good. Anyway, so big news this week in the world, especially the world of Murdoch, is Tucker Carlson is out at Fox News. What do we oh, think? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just try- I don't know how to react to that one. It's yeah, like- is this the... Unlike Tucker Carlson, I do find it difficult to pretend to feel 
disappoints. Is this is this a, a leftward swing by the Murdochs? Are they are they flanking to the left and just getting rid of the right wing chaff that's filled up their network? No, uh, well, okay, so there'd have to be f- several steps for the <laughs> Murdochs to get to the left. Um, yeah, you'd have to... I don't think it's about a left-right thing, Charles. No, I think no. it's about an embarrassment thing a little bit. Yes. The texts that were leaked were very much Tucker. He's just no longer viable amongst Fox's most rabid base because he's admitted that he doesn't like Trump very publicly. And it's not that he's more left wing than Trump. I don't think. I don't think it's a spectrum thing. I think it's more just uh, I mean, Trump is fucking insane. And Tucker, for once, called it accurately. And this is the thing that he's in trouble for: getting reality right. You don't do that on Fox News. Oh, gosh, it's just. I mean, where do you even start with this analysis of what was the quote? The quote is it: "Truth is the first casualty of war," or was the first casualty of war? I mean, isn't let, let's just take a step back because you know Fox obviously lost the Dominion case. They've got to pay out three quarters of a billion US dollars to Dominion to settle that case. They seem to be under real attack. Like there's the Smartmatic. Uh, case which is asking for two and a half billion dollars. There is a scenario in which you know Murdoch spends the rest of his days fighting back lawsuits because actually he's sort of he's gone to oh, I don't know no it's, yeah, I mean, it's wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't that be wonderful? Wouldn't that be a deserved fate for the man if that's as bad as it gets for him? He got off light. Yes, exactly. And this is the problem: is that you know it's almost as if this is an appeasement. And this is what this is what happens with a lot of power brokers is that there are moves that are made to satisfy the public, and then it's as if that's where justice stops. Yeah, that's when, where the penance when, is served. When, when in reality, um, many of us know that Rupert Murdoch, especially who's who's been a media mogul for what 40, 50 years now, and he. You know, he he rose to prominence at a time when there there was so very little accountability, and the the things that the moves that he made then, uh, and the you know that's that's where I guess you know, and none of this is so none of this is um, like all of those things are sort of relevant to now, and yeah. in a way, and have, it's have a bit, sort of it's set, a bit like uh, when. Someone wins a lifetime achievement Oscar for their shit film, but it's really just back payment for the you know the ten great movies they made twenty years ago. If it, I mean, this we're talking about this man has tilted the scales of UK elections most definitely yeah. to a, to the point that he's decided prime ministers. He has had an oversized impact on Brexit happening, on Trump happening, and thus far the consequences of that he has had to pay more for his three divorces than for his assaults on democracy. Yeah, exactly. And it, this is this is where it, it, like, sort of frustrates me. What has fascinated me with all the documents that came out through the Dominion stuff and then some of the leaks from what's happening with Tucker Carlson is that this whole idea that they're actually almost closer to a sort of crime family, like it's more, almost like a crime syndicate it, like that yeah. actually is is more sort of opera. Like that's a better way of analysing what's going on with them, rather than going, "Oh yeah, here are some respectable businessmen that yeah. you know occasionally 
fuck up. Not just a, not just a crime family, like an oligarch family, a royalty family almost. There's so much strange, incestuous power play moves amongst them. My favourite in a Murdoch Sanctum story, very briefly, is that when James broke away, decided to leave news, wanted to, found a gangster rap hip-hop label that became moderately successful, and then his dad bought it out because he's a psycho. Mm, yeah. Wanted to control him, pull him back into the family. It's succession well, shit. What's, what's really interesting is reading about... because um, it's, so it's, This is what's funny. is it, If you try to read any biography about Rupert Murdoch, you, I always look at the acknowledgements and you look at the acknowledgements and it is textbook coercion, grooming, because it's all like, oh, I'd just like to thank, you know, Rupert Murdoch and all these people who've like previously or are currently working for Rupert Murdoch. And it's like, how can you get any objectivity on this person if you're basically in his pocket or on his payroll um, or have some kind of relationship to him? I want a like a, a biography about him, like, okay, maybe one or two people, but these are pages and pages and pages of people who clearly can't, you know, that they've got some kind of bias mm. um, and, and you know, are probably, you know, somewhat terrified by this man who has at this point a, a, like just a toxic level of power and control mm. in the I Western like world, if not beyond by- that, just, just just by sheer, you know, like volume. And and so I've been reading this book about uh, Robert Maxwell um, by, John, by John Preston. It's called Fall, and this is just one. And, you know, you have to look at the acknowledgements there as well. The, the Rupert Murdoch himself has contributed to it, and it's so funny because – Every time Rupert Murdoch is quoted when he's describing a behaviour or an action of Robert Maxwell, he's sort of describing, especially because they were rivals, um, you know, they were sort of uh, doing similar things to each other in the, um, uh, you know, news media sphere um, at the same times. And every time it, it was like... Pot kettle black yeah. constantly, and Rupert Murdoch is always like, "Oh, you know, well, but, but I didn't do it like that." And it's like, "Yeah, but you did." What, what though. if it's, you just what if it's, it, like did it in a sneakier, more roundabout, cerebral way? Like, it's just, isn't a biased Murdoch biography with questionably chosen sources? It's like a meta point. It feels thematically appropriate that books written about this man should be just divorced from reality because that's the stuff that his newspapers have been churning out for 50 years. It's it's appropriate almost. Yeah, exactly. In I mean, in, sick in, way. in this capitalist, um, you know, world that runs on a system of operative conditioning of, you know, reward and punishment, which, you know, it's just like this, this, this man just clearly reigns supreme. He is... He is the king of blackmail. Like, and, and the thing is, we only... He's the, got, the granddaddy of gaslighting. <laughs> we only... But That's we a good the new sticker line, Charles. We, nice, I like it. We only got a glimpse of all this stuff. And the fact that the premier news organisation were actually prepared to just completely run with a completely fabricated idea, like 24-7 across the network... But it only really became a problem, not because that had happened, but because it had impacted some other company, some other rich company. <laughs> but, you know, you just go, oh, what are the thousand other things that haven't impacted a rich company? It's probably some poor benighted fool or whatever. <laughs> that where you just 
get it, they just get away with it. Their, their culture was so much. Well, it doesn't matter what actually happened. It's just yep. oh yeah, we'll just make it up and and like I mean, it's, it's. I think that's a fantastic point because it is like what hope for justice do ordinary people have in this system? It's this is not an indication of a democracy being stood up for. It's a company protecting its reputation because it's worth billions of dollars. So, but it does. Yeah. What it also does though is it throws open the twenty twenty four elections, right? Because. What is Tucker Carlson going to do now? Crazy YouTuber. Definitely crazy right-wing YouTuber. I would put money on that. Well, this is what they do. They always flatter themselves that they can pull as many views off YouTube or, you know, some obscure website, MrTuckerCarlson.com. Oh, we're talking disastrous attempts. Yeah, well, all of them. Like Bill O'Reilly thought he was bigger than Fox News. He wasn't. Alex Jones, Glenn Beck, they all thought that they could leave the platform and the platform didn't wasn't as big as them. And the platform is actually the thing that they've got. So Tucker Carlson has a very small window of time to convert his audience into something that will stick around and, and watch what he's doing. Actually, that is a fair point because the Fox audience, is, it does skew older, does skew more traditional terrestrial television. Whereas most, you know, perhaps a progressive voice peeling off from, you know, The Guardian or whoever could make it as a YouTuber. You see that stuff. Yes, yes. I think he's going to run for president. And I base... Trump? No, no, Tucker Carlson. Oh, Tucker Carlson. And I base that on the fact that he is now writing for The Daily Caller. Like, Tucker Carlson's gone back to write for The Daily Caller, which is a far right, let's just say, Nazi-ish racist website, right? But um, in the hours after he announced that he was back at the Daily Caller, there were nine articles about Tucker Carlson. Two of them were speculating on his own fucking website that he was about to run for president. I think it makes total sense that that's how you... You platform yourself by not actually having a platform is, and you get to go around the country, you get to start doing stadium gigs and you become Trump 2.0, but younger, more virile. Did you just call Tucker Carlson virile? Well, I don't know, Ponzi virile. You you did, didn't you? Lachlan, keep that one. We need (laughs) (laughs) Not virile. (laughs) Well, more virile than Trump. Trump's sort of losing it. Relatively virile. Yeah, relatively virile. And and very scary. Like his whole replacement, like for people who don't know about what the type of things that Tucker Carlson trades in, his whole thing is, because it's very hard to just be anti-immigrant in America because their story, like everyone's an immigrant, their story is sort of based on immigration. So he trades in this thing called replacement theory, which is, I don't know, we like immigrants, but they're replacing us. They're replacing us with Muslims and Mexicans. So it's a sort of... And by us they mean white people. White Christians. Yeah, yeah, totally, yeah. You know, there's a sort of, he's got a coherent theory that that he's been you know, warming up the Fox News audience for years with, and he can now take it on the road. This is interesting because I usually think of these Murdoch mouthpieces, you know, as little mouths of Sauron that are basically replaceable, interchangeable, similar types of archetype, basically. But, yeah, if, if someone's got a coherent, consistent ideology like you're claiming Tucker Carlson does, then they do become more dangerous. It's less... 
I mean, I guarantee you Rita Panay doesn't have that sort of thing. She's just saying loud stuff to piss the wokes off. Yes, and and never forget that Tucker Carlson actually started out as an almost proper journalist. He used to write for the New York Times magazine. He was very far right even in his college days, but that didn't mean that he didn't do proper journalism where people actually went, oh, he's... He's got something on there. I, I don't know whether you remember when he was on CNN and he had this show called Crossfire, which was the dumbest show. Like it was, it was absurdly biased in favour of right wing. John Stewart, back in sort of two thousand and five, two thousand and six, started just. I mean, he would made hay out of the fact that Crossfire was such a ridiculously biased show, and it ended up going on Crossfire. I don't. Do you remember that the that, Bailey, uh, yeah. yeah, 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 and he and John Stewart, and a few months after John Stewart went on Crossfire and just humiliated Tucker Carlson, <laughs> uh, the, the whole show got axed, right? Like, like John Stewart actually fundamentally like, destroyed Tucker Carlson just through sheer. He weight burnt of him so hard, his show got shut down. That rules. But you know, like he has, he's like Tucker Carlson was very much hands on. At his show, like he, he he wasn't just a speaking head. He's got yeah. the intellect, like the formidable the, intellect to be well, able to okay, well, well, this might all be true, but what's also happening is Tucker Carlson is entering a space where there are, there's no shortage of people like that in America. Is his history with Fox News enough to like propel him to the, you know, the top tier of crazy people trying to fuck up the country? Or does he wallow in obscurity now? I think we have to refrain from using terms like crazy. Mm. So that's apologies. Because no, no, it's not. It's it's really hard because you've got what you've got in the United States is lots, and I tried to explain this last week is lots of different subsets of legitimately disenfranchised people whose conditions have been made thus <clears throat> because of decades upon decades of different, um, you know, economic, social situations. Um, disenfranchisement, you know, like, disenfranchisement. Yeah, I mean, and it's it's to do with it's it's to do with lots of different intersecting factors. I mean, we could talk about each one of them for a whole podcast, the whole podcast series, even. Um, and it, th- those things were all exacerbated, especially in that deregulation era um, of you know Reagan. Um, uh, and you know Reaganomics, yuck! And the war on drugs, the supposed war on drugs, which we all know was a racially charged um, attempt to worsen racial tensions that already existed in the United States. Um, Absolutely, no and, doubt about any of and, But what, what we've really got, and, and America is the most polarized version of this in the West, I think, and we've got it here. We're, we're perhaps better at cosmetically disguising it. We definitely have it here in Australia and the UK is the same. Um, and, you know, I think every every nation has, has this to some extent, um, to a greater or lesser extent. But we have all these intersecting hegemonies of, you know, one is white supremacy, one is um, the corporate mass media, um, then you've also got Christianity, which still reigns supreme and, um, uh, you know, the leading force amongst all the Christian domina- denominations is Catholicism. Um, and you've got, um, you know, uh, The sexism. cult. Um, and y- you can see how 
Um, you can see how the Murdochs and their mouthpieces um, really, really bring those hegemonies together. The, the, their function is to make all these and profit, various things that don't make it. sense on their own. They're, absolutely. Yes, exactly. They, they don't tie make sense a narrative. On their own. Yeah, these things do not make yeah. sense in society, but institutions like the Murdoch Press provide the narrative and smooth over the grey areas for them to continue to exist, for them to kind of make sense in people's minds vaguely and fuzzily. Without it, it falls apart because this stuff doesn't make sense. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And they don't, they don't, they never say any of those things directly. They never say any of those things directly. And again, by using that, that um, operative conditioning system that I referred to before, that reward punishment system um, that, that rewards things like, um, you know, obedience to compliance, um, you know, that, that punishes, um, uh, you know, resistance, um, that, that not just, you know, not just the, resistance, the, nonconformity, people standing mm, out a little bit. Getting yeah. Abused. Yeah. Mm. Um, and it's just, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, you've got, you've got to look at this whole history. Mm. Um, and I don't think, I don't think anyone is necessarily crazy. Uh, I, in, in the United States, I think that the, the, the chaos has been, has been manufactured. I mean, there's always, there's always a, a natural degree of disharmony, discord, disagreement, because tribalism is wired in our DNA. Um, not necessarily tribalism, but healthy um, difference, healthy nuance. Um, but when that's exact, exacerbated and then legitimized for profit, which that's Ronnie referred to it last time, that anger as that business model, that outrage is that business model because sensation sells. You know, nuanced newspapers, like like news news headlines, they don't sell. Um, and and this is where you see that, like Murdoch especially has um, made a killing, literally in some cases, off of um, the pain of of people in the United States while exacerbating it. Yeah. So I don't for the history as for the history of Tucker Carlson and these so called crazy people. You know, are they really crazy, or have they been? No, Grace. I, I, made made I this way. The, you could correct to pull me up, and I did use it as a, a casual throwaway term. Didn't mean it in any derogatory sense. You know, there are the bunch of other terms I could have used, but we are talking about that subset of the population that has been, you know, institutionally and systemically denied access to healthy mm. food, to clean water, to good quality air, to good education, to media that says these things to them. And that is the base, but that base is also largely contained to couches and televisions. And if Tucker moves away from that space, he does lose potentially quite a bit of access to it. I think Charles might have a point. I'm not sure that audience follows him to YouTube. Which begs the designs. Which begs the question: Every time there is a piece of grand theatre in American history, typically, such as this big election lie, for example, in this lawsuit with Dominion and Fox. There tends to be something really sinister 
going on behind the scenes. And I mentioned last time that in the, the you know, <laughs> in the grand scheme of things, while this this is a, an example of an assault on um, so-called democracy, it's not really, it's a plutocracy or a plutonomy um, where you've got, a, you know, a wealthy... Oligarchy, um, a, Yeah, yes, or an oligarchy, a, you know, a wealthy selection of, of elites, uh, you know, with a, there's a, it's the money, that unlim- there's unlimited money in American politics. If we look at 19, so 1952, 1953, in the United States, you had the, the, the trials, the, the McCarthy-led trials where where Roy Cohn was sitting sitting ne- sitting next to McCarthy, and they were accusing um, supposed homosexuals and communists, um, you know, infiltrators that that they um, they thought were um, uh, you know that, that were government officials or, or employees or just anyone who who had potentially um, divulged secrets um, to outside forces in Congress. They were held in these trials, these public trials. Um, but really what was going on behind the scenes were were all these egregious illegal human experiments mm. um, that, that later um, came out and those are on record. And then also you you then had, you know, 20 years later, Watergate um, and that big, that all came out. And again, at the time underneath that were the was the sort of the continuation of these experiments as well and you know the cold war was this horrible time where there were no um there were no standards um of of what things um could could sort of be be done to human beings and then you had you know the same thing with like the um uh like iran contra and all that sort of stuff like that and what was going on behind the scenes like what is you know this this really public outward facing um, supposed accountability that we are seeing as the, as the um, the consumers of this media where we're being told that justice has been served or is being served is this it you know like is this the worst of what has happened? Well, I think it certainly I think it certainly shows that. Like for it to get this far and to be this far out of Rupert Murdoch's control suggests that there's a lot of other stuff going on inside that empire that's, you know, they they are fighting on all fronts at the moment and they are not able to bat things back in a way that perhaps they were five years ago. And And I imagine that part of that is just the frailty of Rupert Murdoch. Like if you've got... Kendall Roy in charge of your empire, of course it's going to suddenly start fucking up. Like, do, you know, do you know what I reckon really fucked him? What? The stickers. Yeah, it was the stickers. in Mel- It was our it was anti don't read the Herald Sun campaign. That was the first chink in the armour. It started his cognitive decline. He's been bedridden in court ever since. I mean, it is worth, I mean, obviously read all the shot accounts of the Murdochs, but um, it is worth reading the Vanity Fair accounts of all the stuff that's coming out, not just from the Dominion case, but... They're linking it also to the Jerry Hall leaks that are now coming out where um, Rupert Murdoch essentially became a hermit under COVID where he got so scared that little helper people would give him COVID and therefore he'd die that he became this he, – he got rid of all the staff and Jerry Hall had to spoon feed him because <laughs> like, he was so frail. He got really sick. He – fell over and got really sick. 
And there's these amazing accounts that this poor Jerry wow. Hall. And, f- and for 18 months, his newspapers sowed doubt in vaccines, and then he was the first in line to get a free jab at the NHS, a service that he has been undermining for 20 fucking years. One of the first people in the world to get the vaccine. Jerry should have shoved that spoon somewhere else. Yeah, well, I think she ultimately did. But also the, the other great detail of that article is the thing that he made her do 500 hours of wine making course, an online winemaking course, so that he could write off a whole lot of vineyard assets as a tax loss. Right. So, so not only did she have to sort of make him, you know, breakfast, lunch and dinner and then spoon feed it to him because he had a broken back, but uh, he, she also was required to do a whole, like it sounds just like an awful, sounds like my marriage. It's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Why no. did he? Why well, I want to know why he had a broken back. He he. Well, it, it turns out he's actually. It's this is the second time he's broken his back. So he fell out. He was on. This is honestly true. It's the most hilarious story. He was on Lachlan Murdoch's boat. They're out in the like way out somewhere like distant, right? He falls over because he's really old. He's like in his nineties. Falls over, breaks his back. Right. They then. Give him some mega medicine to put him to sleep. Like it must have been morphine or something like that. And drive throughout the night on this boat to the nearest island, right? They arrive in the morning. Lachlan Murdoch's super yacht is so large that they can't get the stretcher down onto the dock because it's in some pissy little island somewhere. And and there's no there's no dock, right? So they had this whole trouble of like, oh fuck, how are we? Oh no, don't <laughs> you know? And then they finally lower him down. The hospital has then closed. Like the, so, the hospital that they're aiming in this pissy little island um, has closed due to funding cutbacks, no doubt created by the Lachlan Murdoch, you know, Rupert Murdoch style conservatism. Oh, we should cut all public funding to everything, right? So then Lachlan Murdoch has to get his private jet, sort of like an episode of Succession, has to jet his private jet in to airlift him to safety. So by the time, that's why he was sort of on death's door when he broke his back because it actually took a couple of days for him to get uh, proper medical care. But then when they were scanning his back and they went, oh, yeah, you've broken your back, they went, oh, hang on, you, you broke your back a few years ago. And he went, oh, did I? And that was when Wendy Dang pushed him when he was still going out with Wendy Dang and she had a fight and she pushed him up against the grand piano and and he complained of a bad back, like he was on the couch for a few weeks after that episode. But then they did the scan and they found out, oh, no, actually, this is the second time you've broken your back, sir. There you go. So there you go. I don't want to, like, start feeling too sorry for the man. You can't, well, you, it's just, you can hardly kill him. Like, how the fuck do you get rid of him? You break his back twice? That's what happens when, you know, you. that's how horcruxes work. Like part of your essence is stored in an object and you just can't be destroyed unless you destroy, you know, he has other horcruxes like Lachlan and James and Harold's son. And- okay. We, we've got to wrap it up. Do we have any concluding thoughts? Can I just say, I think what we've worked out is Tucker Carlson, nothing burger. He's just going to fade oh. into obscurity. And that the Murdochs seem to be, like as Grace was suggesting, the you know, behind this, maybe they're in real trouble. Maybe there's reason for hope. Is that a good way? No. <laughs> you're both, looking, a, no. You're 
fucking like, no, that's not the, no, the, not the summary at all. Who the who are you, yeah. Charles? What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Joe would have done a much better job at wrapping it up. <laughs> I have to be careful because I have very personal reasons for finding it very hard. I find it very hard to think about Rupert Murdoch, you know. And I and I but I also think like you know I hear that I hear that stuff and I go, oh, you know, like that's horrible. He has a like broken back, like that's awful and painful. But then I also think like the Murdoch press has been responsible. I think as a child protection advocate and a survivor of child sexual abuse and somebody who advocates for the rights of fellow child sexual abuse survivors and child abuse survivors. And I think one of the things that the Murdoch press seems to want to do is have a monopoly on reporting on everything really and dictating the narrative on everything. And for all of the supposed good work and, you know, being the supposed runners of the hashtag Let Us Speak campaign and other campaigns, and maybe that is true, but many things can be true at once. They have actually caused a lot of pain to myself and to many people. Yeah. I, uh, they, they do a lot of damage. They do a lot of damage. And I know they have. I know they have. I can speak to, I can speak to, speak to that. Yeah, I don't know about I, like hope is hope is a hard thing to hold on to in that in that knowledge and given what given given that that it just there's just like decades upon decades of record that the main priority seems to be us uh, serving the serving themselves in their pockets. Absolutely, <laughs> one thing I kind of like about this situation. And, like, my biggest bugbear with News Limited for the last couple of years hasn't been that it's conservative. It's it's that they're wrong all the fucking time. And as a journalist and editor, that really pisses me off. And what's happening with the Dominion and the next lawsuit is just about the fact that they were wrong and they're getting scorched for that. And they just – that should have been the last 50 years, really. All right. If they, okay. Here, here, if they were conservative, riddle me this. I, out of interest – I was looking at the New York Post recently. Um, it would have been about a month ago now, actually. In a 30-day period, they'd written, you know, 115 articles about one particular topic. Um, and you know, um, I don't. I, I'm a, I'm reticent to say what that particular topic was, but they'd only written 32 articles about child sexual abuse. Okay, and the first four articles at that particular time were about one person and then the article <clears throat> beneath that and they were all sensationalized they were all painting this person in a, a horrific way and then beneath that was an article um about kim kardashian's pink bubblegum bikini with a picture of her um, one was her front side and the other one was her backside. They were full body shots. This was on the New York Post. This is a Murdoch. Oh, um, this is you should see the UK tabloids. It's like yeah, tits all but, up into page five. Like. I'm sorry, conservative, conservative, my my ass. Um, <laughs> no, in this case, Kim Kardashian's Kim ass Kardashian's and her ass. and her breasts and everything else um, in a you know bubblegum pink thong bikini. Oh, it's you not know, real and, conservatism. And, and, it's but, a rabid right winger. But, te- but tell, but tell me, but tell me again. This is the same ilk that claim to be concerned about children uh, and protecting them from 
um, you know, so-called child predators and the groomers, quote unquote, which is a very recent bastardization of, of grooming, which is a very long drawn out dark process of uh, reward and, you know, um, punishment. It's not just a one-off thing. It's not just, you know, it, it, it's, it's not simple stuff. It's a, it's a system. It's systematic. Um, and, it's just like it, it just sort of falls down because you, you, you go to these sites and, and you see something that is, is quite contrary to, to what they claim to be. Mm. I, I don't think that's conservative at all. I think that's the opposite. Mm. I don't know. That's just Radical. me. And I'm, yeah. I, I, yeah. And I, like, I'm somebody who, um, I, I'm somebody who sees that the left are just as guilty. Of doing things that they claim to to be in opposition of, um, uh, you know, and I think you know, like self reflection, self critique is very important. Um, and I don't like I know how we remedy that, how we repair that. I don't know. My point um, about conservatism was more about the ideology that is pushed into the into the minds of voters is inherently right wing to favour Tory governments across the across the Anglosphere, basically. Less about you know conservative attitudes to sex etc right yeah 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 and i and i don't i don't have a problem with people that have right leaning belief systems getting media that you know serves them i it, that would be hypocritical of me to have that issue because i write progressive media and i want people to be able to reach me i would just like them to you know actual stick to actual real reality rather than trying to craft their own reality for people that's my issue and this is why the dominion case feels a little bit like, you know, they are being pulled up just because they peddled a lie. It's not mm. really a left thing, not really a right thing, but it's an untruth. And yeah. they should have suffered much okay. more of this the over the last few days. the decades. first time there's been consequences. Which is <laughs> yeah. amazing in and of itself, yes. right? Yes. And let's, let's celebrate that. Even if you don't want to be Woo. hopeful, we've got St Kilda on the top of the table and we've got a consequence, one consequence. Yeah. In Rupert Murdoch's yes, we life. love this is and okay. So this is the thing: we love numbers. We love we love the 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 quantit. We love the quantitative data. Okay, and that that should please the uh, the, the the right wingers because uh, they so they, they they supposedly that's what they like to deal in is they like to deal in you know the empirical evidence, um, you know the, the the facts of things. Which personally, I like as well. I'm, you know, I'm, like Facts don't thing. care about your feelings, bro. That sort of thing. <laughs> don't care about your feelings, bro. Lovely. Facts, Facts and um, feelings. Grace and Dave, wonderful to have you on. I'm just trying Thank to yourself. wrap up in a sort of Joe-style way. Uh, our gear is from Road. We're part of the Iconoclast Network, and we'll catch you next week. Excellent. Thanks, guys. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.